Amen. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is good, and I wanted to say, say something about Melissa and lipstick <laughs> and getting old, because Rhonda just told me a minute ago that Becky was getting younger, and I'm getting older. <laughs> I don't really know how that works, but I don't feel like I'm getting any older, but I probably am, right? But yeah, Becky's definitely getting younger. Actually, Becky was supposed to preach today, but she on the way to church, she said, I forgot my notes, so that's why she's not preaching. <laughs> she did say that, though. You said that, Becky. I said, you said, am I preaching? I said, yeah, and she said, I didn't bring my notes. Maybe we, can, maybe we can get her. I've been trying to get her. Y'all, she don't want to preach. She'll go somewhere else and preach, but she don't want to preach here for some reason. But she did promise me that this year she would give a message uh, before the year's out. So y'all have to hold her feet to the fire on that. So amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're so good and wonderful, and we're thankful today, Lord. We're really thankful. I just pray for everybody that came into this room, which means everybody who walked in here that has a need in their life, Lord. There's a need, and there's a God who meets our needs. Lord, there's hunger and there's bread. You're the bread from heaven. And so I just pray you just release that bread into people's hearts and minds, the healing bread, Lord. Lord, just heal. Lord, we're just asking you today for an extraordinary anointing for healing as a body, as a church body, that we would be healers, both with our words, our hands, and our actions. We would bring anointing of healing everywhere we go. Lord, that this place would be a place of healing, that lives could be healed from not only from disease and cancers and tumors and bad stuff, Lord, but also uh, from hurts and families could be restored. Lord, we're just asking you to do that, Lord. We ask you to release that remarkable grace of Christ upon us today, the anointed one, the spirit of Jesus Christ who walked this earth and touched people and delivered people from demonic things. We're asking for that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that has now been given to us, that it would manifest in us, Lord. Uh, Lord, not just a one-time thing, but just uh, be, be our portion on this earth, Lord, to be a healing people. Lord, we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So to be a healing person, you need to pray for people and minister to people. That's the way that works, right? You've got to make, give, give God a chance to use you. So thank you, Lord. So I want to uh, start. I'm going to read. So here, let me just tell you this. Boy, y'all have given me so much time this morning, it's just terrible. <laughs> Usually, you know, you, your problem is you got out here and you got a 38-minute message and you got 22 minutes to give it. That's hard to do. So you always have to... I always tell people that preparing messages, prepare your messages in blocks, okay? So you could not, you could finish it because the good days, the best days at church is when the Holy Spirit just comes in and wrecks the agenda. I know some people don't like that, but I live for that. I mean, that's my prayer. Lord, I don't, here's my agenda. I would rather have yours, (laughs) you know? So I think there's going to be a day though, and it'll be shocking to some. For others, it will be. It would be beautiful. If you're one who's shocked by it, just, just write it out. It's gonna, it'll be beautiful. It'll turn into beauty to you. But what I want to do is share with you this morning, really it's kind of a spiritual DNA message, okay? Being it's uh, me sharing it, it's sort of like things that God has used in my life to really form me spiritually, okay? And it's, this is very meaningful to me, and it's very dynamic. It's... It's kind of like what works in, it's kind of like in the computer world, there's a, there's a program that makes everything work, right? It's like a, your operating system, I think that's what they call it. And that kind of makes everything else work, right? You don't think about your operating system much unless it goes wacky or it needs upgrading. So this is kind of like my operating system, actually part of it, not all of it, but, you know, for, it's just been on my heart. Uh, a lot this year because of, you know, what God's been doing in my life this year. Um, you know, I shared, I showed you that picture last week of the, of the directional eras, all these eras pointing these different directions. Here's the beautiful thing about that is um, 
God's in every one of those places. At the end of the day, it's not like having to choose a direction. Just start in that direction. You're going to pass through these different places with God. He's there waiting on you. It's really no stress. I wish I, wish I didn't feel stressed about it sometimes, you know. But I want to just, I want to just, I'm going to start and read this scripture here with you. And hopefully you'll get this. I'm thinking impartation. Okay, is what I'm thinking. Uh, This is Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man. Isn't that beautiful? He lifted his eyes and looked. Sometimes we just have to quit looking like I shared earlier. We've got to stop looking where we're looking. If if things are not working for you, where are you looking? You know, stop, okay, and and look in a different place. And you may see something. There was this man, capital M man. It wasn't just a little M man. Stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. That would be frightful, right? <laughs> Can you just imagine that? Okay? The guy was standing there. And this guy probably looked pretty, pretty intense. Uh, had a sword in his hand. Woo! And Joshua went to him. Joshua was a brave man. And said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? See, Joshua was completely caught up in the natural realm at that moment and asking this amazing man this question. So he said, no, you know, I'm neither, I'm, it's not, it's, that's not the question. No, but as commander of the, Lord, of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Wow, that was the Lord himself manifesting to Joshua. As the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. And so... Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot. Isn't it interesting it didn't say take your sandals off? You think one of the sandals fell off when he first saw the guy and his fixing to take off running and the sandal fell off and didn't decide, I'm going to try to do this. Or trembling so bad. That's an interesting thought. Take your sandal off. And... uh, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. It's like, you know, when Moses was standing by that burning bush, it's holy ground and, and didn't know it. So, so let me just give you a little background on Joshua for those who may not know it. Joshua was, was Moses' assistant when Israel was traveling through the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua was one of the two spies, him and Caleb, who went into the promised land to spy out early on. Uh, there were 12 of them. And he, he and Caleb came back and gave a good report to Israel about what the promised land was like. But the other ten were fearful men. And all they saw is they saw in their statement was we're going to be, these people are big people, they're powerful people, and we're going to be like grasshoppers in their eyes. That's what they said. And it put fear in the people. And the people didn't want to go. They got scared. and They wanted to go back to Egypt. They were afraid because of this bad report. You see how powerful your words are. And, uh, and Joshua and Caleb, you know, pled and, with the people. But Moses decided to, you know, we're not going back to Egypt. But they moved on. They didn't get to go into the promised land then. And so you had these two men. And then, uh, and so Joshua was Moses' assistant. He was his servant. And so wherever Moses was, it was like his personal, you know, secretary, you know, whatever Moses needed, Joshua was right there to help him do what he was supposed to be doing. You know, Caleb sort of blended in with the crowd, but he came back, he came out later. He's, he's another story in himself. But, um, but one of the things that would happen in, uh, in the wilderness is they had the tent of meetings, and that was where the Lord was at. Okay, he was in this tent that they carried around with them. And so whenever they would camp, they would set up this tent, and God, that's where God was. That's where God would go. And occasionally, the glory of God would come down on this tent, and it would be, it would be visual. It would be, they would be able to see it like a fire. Just, and, and, and Moses would know that God was calling him to go out to the tent. God wanted to speak something. And, and so Moses, accompanied by Joshua, would go to this tent. And God would talk, that's where God would talk to Moses face to face as a friend. 
was in that tent out there. And then once, once, Joshua, once Moses received from, from God what God wanted communicated to the rest of Israel, because they would all be gathered you know, as a congregation waiting to hear what God had to say to them. Wouldn't that be just the best ever that we would see this glory come and somebody would go and I've got this message to give you. And we'd all be anxiously waiting uh, to get this message from God. And I can just imagine that was what was happening with them. And so then Moses would get up and leave. But it said, this is all in Exodus, I think, 33. It said that Joshua, Joshua would stay there. He wouldn't go back with Moses. He would stay there in the presence of the Lord. Because Joshua had this thing in his heart where he really loved God. He loved God's presence. And he would just stay there. I can imagine it didn't really tell us. He could, would stay there until that presence would lift. Okay, so Joshua spent a lot of time in God's presence, getting to know God, getting to understand God, and, and getting to this downlist. So, so Moses dies. This is years later. Joshua's now the leader. And now he's brought Israel into the promised land. And here he is. This man appears, and Joshua does not recognize this man. Okay? Now think about it. Put it in context. He spent all those years in the wilderness and all that time in the presence, the very presence of the Lord. But God shows up in a little bit of a different way, in a big different way, and he has no clue it's God. He has no clue it's the same God that was back there in that tent that he spent all this time loving on and, and, and hearing and getting to know and getting, to, getting this sense of this, this person, this great God. And now this great God comes and he don't look the same. He looks different. He's acting different. And Joshua, the, the great man, the great leader who you would think by now you would know, this is God's son, you know, you should know that. He didn't know that. Okay? You find that interesting. It's, it's very interesting. So what you're going to find with, with the Lord, if you haven't already discovered this, you probably have on some level, is God will show up in your life in different ways and in different times and different seasons and you may not recognize it's the same God that was so wonderful back there in the tent where the glory was. All of a sudden now he's coming as a man of war. And now he's completely different. He's taking a different attitude. He's not just, we're not just sitting there. He said, no, you get down. on you, You're standing on holy ground. He's got a whole different approach to you. Are you following what I'm saying to you? And so what we find all through the Bible, if you pay attention, that God at different times would show up to his people that knew him or may not know him, and they wouldn't recognize him. Only a few people, a handful of people, recognized Jesus as God. The shepherds recognized him because the angels told him. They had to have somebody to tell him, there's this baby, you need to go check him out. It's God. There was what, Simeon and Anna, two people, that when Jesus was being circumcised, they recognized all the other people passing by that day. There was God right there, and they missed him. The, another beautiful story I love, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, um, is the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Jesus was crucified. Don't you love that story? That's the beautiful story in my life. I, I read that all the time because I just love what it says. But here, here he is. These two guys were walking to the, you know, Jesus had been crucified. Jesus is dead. It's a disaster area, right? All of a sudden, all your expectations are just blown to smithereens. They're just blown apart. Everything you had hoped for and dreamed for in your life, in God, and who God was, was suddenly, he was suddenly dead. It was dead. And you were, and here you were, this crushed person, these two men, or I think it was a man and a woman, actually, but. They only give one of them name as Cleopas, I think. And so they're walking disappointed, discouraged, beat up, scared. They were probably going to Emmaus, which was about seven miles outside of Jerusalem, just to get away from all the intensity that was going on in Jerusalem and get away from all their, bad, all their friends who were dragging them down at that moment. Like, I can go be drugged down by myself right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what I do. So now everybody's all messed up. Let me just go be messed up by myself. <laughs> I don't need y'all to help me be messed up. 
So they go, and, uh, and Jesus starts talking to them, and, you know, they didn't know. It says they didn't recognize Jesus. But then at the end, they say, hey, why don't you stay? You know, Jesus acted like, you know, Jesus will do that a lot. He act like, well, they got where they were going, and like, I'm going to keep going. No, don't keep going. Let's come stay with us. You know, we'll have food, and we'll have fun. And they didn't know it was Jesus. And so they did, and when, they bro- when he broke the bread, it says their eyes were opened, and they saw him, and then he disappeared. And then they said these famous words, didn't our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road? Isn't that amazing? Don't you think, isn't that what you're looking for in your life? Is that moment where you're, you, you're not recognizing, you're not seeing, and you're not, things are not working, but there's something starts happening inside of you. And it's, it's that burning, that passion, that, you know, that he, only he can bring forth and, I just love, I just love all of that um, because here's why I love it. Is when I was a, uh, and I've shared some of this over the years. If you've heard this a little bit of this for, there's people who haven't heard it. Is when I was born again, we were in a. It was a, a amazing time spiritually in back in the 70s. Um, God was moving powerfully, and so we were part of a, a, a movement, really. We weren't just part of a church. We were part of a move of God. It was just fantastic. Um, and so my first uh, few years early on were amazing. But God did something in his wisdom. It's like God uh, decided one day to disconnect me from everything he was doing outwardly. And, and man, I tell you, my life, my, my life became a, a, a mess. I'll just be honest with you. I, I had some serious bad things happen in my life in those times. I mean, devastating things. It was one of the most, some of the most heartbreaking times of my life to this day. And I've gone through some heartbreak since then. But I was, I was pretty crushed. And I was also pretty angry. Uh, mainly with God, really, because God was not acting the way I thought God should be acting. God wasn't doing what I thought God should be doing. And I came to this moment, which, you know, there's this term, I think it was a term given by uh, these mystics back in the 14, 1500 called the dark night of the soul. You ever heard of that? Dark night of the soul. Ooh, that's a terrible thing. Dark night of the soul is when you you come to this this place in your life where um, where you're well it, it really what it, it is it's a moment of, of what I realized was extraordinary grace and extraordinary spiritual growth the opportunity for that but it didn't feel that way at the time and I just like had this amazing meltdown uh, with God. And when I say amazing meltdown, it was it was spectacular meltdown. And God spoke to me that night. It was I was having a dark night of the soul every day, but I was literally in a very very dark, physically dark place. I went there. I went to this dark place to find God. Okay, I went away from everybody because I needed to find out about God. Because the God that I had thought I knew was no longer available. You hear what I'm saying to you? The God that was so wonderful, was I could no longer access that God for some reason. And so I went to that place alone to find out about God. And to find out if that God who was so wonderful there, what, what is wrong? What's, what's happening and, and God spoke to me, and, and I will never forget it to this day. This is what he said to me. We were here singing that song this morning about God calling your name. And he gave me, you know. Now, I can't tell you. Some people might say, well, that was an audible voice. I don't know. It, but it was the most real thing I've ever heard in my life. And this is what he said to me. He said, Byron, my face is like a diamond. That's what he said. My face is like a diamond. And you would be wise to spend the rest of your life getting to know me as I reveal myself to you. That's what he said to me. That was it. And it was like he got up 
and left because it was a glorious presence there. And it was like, he said it? Okay, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and sort of left me with that. But that shifted me. That shifted me. That awoke, awakened something in me. Okay? That caused something in me. Even in, and it, didn't, it didn't change my circumstance. Okay? But it changed me. It was the beginning of a shift in my life that I look back now as like, like the most amazing thing ever uh, that God did for me. And so he shifted me. And in my circumstances, over a period of weeks and months, changed for the better. And God allowed me to, to, to really get back into this more of a spiritual flow than I had been. But so, you know, I feel... You know, and what I've come to believe in my life as a believer is that in every season, whenever God wants to do something different, whenever God does a new spiritual season or, or whatever in your life, it doesn't matter. Whatever situation is, God will, will come and reveal himself to you differently. Because see, Moses, I mean, or Jay, Joshua... He wasn't in a time to sit in the glorious presence of the Lord and enjoy that. That was not what God was doing. He was in a time of war and conquest. So how does God come to him? God comes to him as a warrior to reveal himself as a warlike God because that's what Joshua needed at that moment because Joshua, his life down the road was to, to conquer, to go to war and conquer and take the land. And so God revealed himself like that so Joshua could get that part of God in that part of God could be imparted to him so he could do what God called him to do. Okay? And that's why the Lord was saying to me, my face is like a diamond. It has many sides. A diamond has many sides. In the rest of your life, you know, are y'all following this? That, you know, that's one of the reasons, I'm going to tell you this, this is one of the reasons I love revival. Okay, and here's is because God awakens something in people. He awakens something. And what it is is that, that hunger and that desire for God that's beyond what people normally carry. Suddenly God becomes attractive in their life. That's why they call it revival, that God's wakening something up that's already in you. And that's what happened to me that night. It was a personal thing. There was something that was already in me. There was this hunger in me. And there's a hunger in every human being that's ever been created. There's this desire in them to know God and to have a relationship with God. Okay? Whether people know it or not. Some of you may not feel that. There's many people who don't feel it. I don't feel it lots of times. But that day, that awakens something. It puts something in It put a desire in me. And it put a drive in me towards God that I didn't have before. It put a drive and an aggressiveness in me spiritually to really pursue the Lord. And so I came out of that experience thinking this. I'm going to spend, the, my life goal is now to know the Lord. That's what I said. Well, that was kind of a mess. You know? So um, let me read this scripture here now. Are y'all, are y'all following me? I love this Psalm 84 because it's a prophetic pilgrimage. Picture of a person on pilgrimage or on a journey is a, a word we would use. You know, pilgrimage, you think about Muslims, they have their pilgrimage to Mecca, right? That's what they call it, their pilgrimage. They're going on this spiritual journey. And so in those days, when, when this psalm was written, that people had these pilgrimages where they go to Jerusalem for feast. And what they were going there was they were going there to meet with God. They were going there to embrace God. They were going there for their revival, there's a revival in Jerusalem. God had a revival like several times a year. Come. He wanted everybody to come. We're having a revival here, folks. You know, that's putting into, are y'all following this? So these, these people, Psalm 84, is these sons of Korah, these were the people who wrote this psalm. I wanted to find, well, who were the sons of Korah? Korah? They were Levites. And you can find them through the Bible. There are little things about them. And I found three things about them in the Bible. One, the sons of Korah were expert warriors especially with arrow and sling. In other words, these guys were built for war, okay? Another place, it says, and it actually says it in the Psalms, that they were doorkeepers in the tabernacle, in the temple, meaning that they took care of the practical things 
whenever they would pack up that thing, they had certain people who could pack it up, the tent of meeting. Not anybody could just go, we've got to move the tent now. Let's go there and get where God lives. Only certain people could go pack it up and touch the stuff. These are some of those people. That's probably what it was. And then when David uh, came as king, David appointed the sons of Korah as worship leaders. Isn't that amazing? So they were warriors, they were worship leaders, and they were doorkeepers. They did practical things. I think that's pretty amazing, right? And so here's, this is this, this psalm they wrote. I'm going to read some of it to you. How lovely is your, your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Note, first of all, O Lord of hosts. Host literally translates armies. So you can see that warfare thing in them. They had that thing in them. They had that thing about war in them. How lovely is your, your tabernacle, O Lord of armies. We get you, Lord. We're fighters because you're a fighter. And then they say, my soul, my soul longs, yes, even thanks for the courts of the Lord. You see that in them? They had this thing in them. They had this desire to be in the courts. So they had this thing in them. That's what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about, this desire. They carried this desire in their heart. They longed for it. They wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord was the most important thing to them. They would give anything. They longed for it. They didn't long to go to war. They longed to be with God. But if God said, I need you to go fight, we'll go fight because we're good at fighting. Are y'all following this? I just want you to get into what they're saying. My heart and flesh, my heart and flesh. In other words, if these boys showed up at worship one one, uh, Sunday morning here, they would not be the people just sitting there like this. Okay, they would be the first ones up here because they, their flesh cries out for God. They want God to touch them, not only inwardly, but they want God to come down on them. They want to, and they are just, they're going after it. That, that's the people they, these guys were. Even the sparrow has found a home. They were just saying, oh, you know, even a bird can uh, build a nest, a swap for herself where she may lay her young. Even your alders. They, they were just saying that. Lord, they, these birds can come and have a nest. I want that place, Lord. That's what they were saying. You let the birds do it. Why? I want it. I want you to just really get their passion. Oh, uh, my God and my, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed are those who dwell in your presence. Blessed are those who made you, God, and your presence the most important thing. They will be praising you. And then they give this selah, you know, which is a, a pause just to kind of get that. In other words, hey, we're going we're gonna to know the people who really have this. Why? They're praisers. I'm serious, y'all. They're praisers. People who really have that, that's, that's going to come out. I can't help it. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart, listen, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, who's, who's made a decision in your life, this is my life's journey. My journey in my life is to get to know this God to be with this God, to experience this God, and have a relationship with this God. Now, that's, that's the journey right there. That's what they're saying. You, don't be feeling bad if that's not your journey. Okay? Don't be feeling like you're a partial Christian because God is, is the one who has to put this in a person's heart. But what I'm telling you, God is saying today, He wants to impart that to some of you. He wants to give you that thing when you feel my life is this pilgrimage to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. That's the motivation, motivating thing in my life. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Because I can feel, I could put myself in a place at one point in my life, especially before I had that encounter. I'd be hearing something like this, and I'd be feeling like, what the heck, man, is wrong with me? This is just not for me because something's wrong with me. That's the kind of thoughts I would have. But once I had that, I realized, no, this is for me. This is for everybody in this room, okay? And in fact, this really should be our life, y'all. This really should be. This really should be. This should be our hearts. Okay, mercy, Lord. All right, now, suddenly things are fixing to take a turn for the bad. You know what I'm saying? It sounds glorious. Oh, I'm just longing for the Lord. I'm longing to be in the presence of the Lord. I really want to know you, Lord. I want to have this relationship with you. And the Lord said, oh, goody, come on, let's go. We're going on this journey together, and I'm going to teach you about me. And then there's this verse 
6, as they passed through the valley of Baca. You know what Baca means? Weeping. Mm. Valley of weeping. Valley of weeping. You see, this journey is not all like what we think it should be. There's weeping. There's tragedy. There's heartbreak. There's disappointment. There really is. I don't think I had to tell most people in this room. I don't think I had to tell people, most people, that that people feel crushed in their life. Because there's this paradox, it almost feels like, with God. You know, that God is real and God's lovely and God's beautiful and we'll go after Him. But then there's other part. There's this tragic part. There's these valleys that God, they're there. They're there. This is in Israel. This is in the promised land. Valley of weeping. And a lot of people avoid those valleys. A lot of people would do anything not to go through them. I don't blame them. If I could avoid them, I would. But, but you see, we can't really avoid them. You know, we, I, I wish we could. We can't avoid them. And sometimes they are thrown in our laps, tragically. Something, some tragic thing or some awful thing, some breaking thing where you feel so broken in your life. It's the valley of weaving. It says their tears, you know, will make pools there. Which to me, it says, they make it a spring from their tears. And the rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. In other words, in every valley, God wants to do something. Those tears mean something. Those tears are affecting something. Those tears will attract the rain from heaven is really what it's saying. Our tears attracts God's tears. You know, when we weep, God weeps. And His tears will flow with our tears. That's the Holy Spirit when He starts coming in. So, oh, and I'll just read verse 10. I'm, I'm going to shift here. Are y'all good? Yeah. Uh, oh, we're just saying, for a day uh, in your courts is better than a thousand. Isn't that, we sang that, that's a song. I would rather be a doorkeeper. That's, see, these guys are, in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, bless the man who trusts in you. Isn't that uh, just beautiful? So here's what uh, happens lots of times with the valley thing, with the weeping thing, is they cause questions to arise in our hearts, right? They, and most of the times the questions are around God, Right? Uh, the question, uh, I think about 40 times in, in the New Testament, there's a question. Uh, many, it's said like this in some ways, and it's about Jesus. Who is this man? Who is this man? So that's the question that happened. Are y'all, I think there's probably, I hope some of y'all have had this question. When you've gone through something, and your life is turned upside down. And the God that you thought you knew, suddenly you don't know anymore. And this question about who is God. Am I talking to anybody? You know, this is part of our journey. That's why there's about 40 times. One of the times was when Jesus was walking on the water and all that business. That was what these disciples called to see. That's, they were in shock. Like, who is this man? That can calm the seas. Here's one of the great scriptures in my life that the Lord spoke to me. And I think this is the question of all questions. It's the question that the world is asking. And it's the question we ask when we're in those difficult times. Exodus 5.2. Moses had gone to Pharaoh and said, hey, we need to, you need to let them go. We need to go worship. This is at the beginning of the deliverance. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? You see, you see that? Who is the Lord connected to obedience? You see, when, when we don't really understand, we don't have a revelation of the Lord, it's going to be really hard to obey a God we don't really know. Are y'all following that? Who is the Lord that I should let? And that's, that's, that's what people in the world are saying. 
Who is he that I should give my life to him? Who is he that I should make these sacrifices for him? Who is, who is this man? That's, that's what the world cries. That's what many, and I've cried that out to the Lord in my desperate moments. And then it said, um, I do not know the Lord. I don't know the Lord. Nor will I let Israel go because I don't know him. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. And say, we'll never be able to live the life that God's called us to do and do the things we've been called to do apart from that revelation of knowing the Lord. But our knowing of the Lord gets challenged over and over and over in our life. That's the key. It gets over and over challenged where we, we begin to f- discover another side of God's face that we didn't know before. And everything starts breaking down. And, and that's, you know, like I was talking about the revival thing. It's so amazing to watch people who are what we call pew warmers. And when revival comes, they are some of the most fiery people. I mean, they, they shame some of the people who've been the fiery people before because God's touching them. That, and that's so beautiful. But, you know, one of the tragic things about revival is when the emotions of it all, when it all dies down, to watch people's hearts close like flowers. And watch them just drift back into mediocrity spiritually. Once the emotions of that thing goes away. And not being there to tap in to like, well, this is how God's revealing himself now. Are y'all good this morning? Y'all looking badly. Okay. So, so here's my honest confession. I really struggle. What I'm talking about, I, I really struggle with a lot. Because I've been doing this for over 40 years and there's days, there's weeks, there's months literally in my life where I feel like, I don't know you, Lord. I feel bothered that I have done all of this. I've pursued the Lord. I've, I've, you know, I've given myself to it. Are you following? I've given myself to something and I feel like I have no clue who this person is. I don't know you, Lord. And I feel broken about it. I feel dis- disenchanted. I feel discouraged about it. As many times I just feel discouraged. Well, I don't know the Lord. This is not working for me, Lord. You know, I've done these things you've asked me to do. I've changed the way I pray, pray because you've asked me to not pray that way anymore because you're tired of hearing me pray that way, literally. And I've, you've asked me to relate to you this way. I've done all these things. Lord, I still feel like I don't know you. What I've, one thing I've really learned is the further you go with God, the more you know God, the less you know God. Because God doesn't get smaller. God gets bigger. See, we think we know God. I think I know, but we're going to be stunned when we get to heaven and see God the first time. We are going to be like John the Apostle in Revelation 1. Jesus, who John was his best friend, the beloved John, and he sees something about God he'd never seen before. What did it say? He fell down like a dead man. He didn't get this slain in the spirit and have this comfortable little time of soaking. Uh-uh. No, it says he was like a dead man. I mean, he collapsed. He probably bounced off the floor he hit so hard. Because what he saw was too much. Jacob, Jacob, y'all know good old Jacob? There's a scripture um, where it says, this is the generation of Jacob who seek his face. It's in Psalm 24, I think. Yeah, this is a, this is a generation that seek his face. Well, Jacob wrestled with the Lord. He had his dark night at the soul at, at the river Jabok. He wrestled with the Lord and wouldn't let go of the Lord. And said, I'm not letting go of you till you bless me. And the Lord blessed him and gave him a new name, called him Israel, quit calling him Jacob. And then Jacob said, hey, tell me your name. He said, I can't tell you, it's too wonderful for you. In other words, he said, you can't contain who I am. I can't reveal myself the way you want me to reveal Because if I did, you, it would probably kill you. And I need you to stay alive a little bit longer. You get, you'll get the die later, but you got some people you need to get out here and, you know, procreate and get them moving. And, you know, so I'm not going to let you have what you want, but over time you can get to know me. Isn't that beautiful? So, like I say, I've had this really struggle in my life, and I've, and I've went through a struggle this, you know, this summer with this about my relationship with the Lord. Just feeling like, Lord, I don't really know you. I'm just so tired of this. I'm just tired of this. Lord, I want to know you. That was the thing you put in me, but I feel like I just, I feel like you're a long ways off. I don't, you know, all this stuff. I don't know if y'all ever feel that, but, and the Lord gave me this scripture when I was bellyaching to him about my relationship with him. He, God knows stuff. And I really encourage people to get into the Bible because the Bible has correction. That's what it says in 2 Timothy, the, the scriptures correct 
build up, adjust, so that the man or woman of God can be equipped for every good work. So lots of times we get off in our thinking. So I was off in my thinking, thinking my relationship with the Lord should look a certain way, should be a certain way. And it wasn't being that. So I was going after this thing, this, this, this goal, so to speak, and this way to have this relationship that I thought was the way, and this is the way it's going to be in my mind. I'm going to have this closeness with God, and I'm going to know things about God that I wouldn't know otherwise, and it wasn't happening. So my, I was failing in my mind. And the Lord gave me this scripture. This is what it says, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. For now we see in a mirror, look, dimly, but then face to face. Now, listen, I know in part, I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. In other words, that word dimly there literally translated means in a riddle or an enigma. The revelation that you have of God, the things is is not real clear. Is what it's saying. It's going to be indistinct. It's going to be imperfect. Your knowledge of God will never be perfect. Your relationship with God will never be perfect. Your how you see God, it's going to be dim. It's going to be it's going to be like you can't exactly get your hands on it. That's what Paul was trying to tell us there. And that should bring us comfort. It brought me comfort that day, realizing I had an expectation from God and myself for something that wasn't going to happen. Because that is not the way God designed it. God designed our relationship with Him. It's going to be, there's missing pieces. There's darkness in it. There's, it's just not going to be the way our little brains think it's going to be. We can't trap God in our understanding. He's always going to have this element of mystery to him. Even though he's our father, even though Jesus is our brother, even though the Holy Spirit is our comforter right here beside us. And it's, you know, but it's not, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you get a better perspective on where you're headed in life and not to have expectations of God that God will not fulfill. Because he is not going to make, like, well, we're not going to do, we're, we're going to break the scriptures for you, son. No, he's not going to do that. Because God has a bigger, bigger plan. You know, so we're trying to see God through these fuzzy emotions. You know what I'm talking about? Clouded thoughts. Uh, difficulties that we're going through. Family problems. Uh, problems at work. Things are not working out. And so we're trying to hear God and see God through all this stuff that we're living in. And so on our best days, on our absolute best days and our best relationship with God, it's going, well, I kind of, sort of know God. That's how I feel. Well, I, I kind of know God. I sort of know God. You know? I hope that brings you comfort. I hope you don't feel like there's something wrong with you and that you've been living your life in a way that God's not pleased with when you don't feel close to God. And you don't feel like you know Him, even though you distinctly desire. So we go and we listen to preaching. We go, some of you do, some of us pray, <laughs> right? Some of us pray and really seek the Lord to know the Lord. And some of us, you know, fast even. <laughs> Y'all didn't think that was funny because you don't fast. You're thinking, mm I don't do that. Why would I do that? I'm not doing that. Fine, y'all can fast if y'all want to. <laughs> I'm too hungry to fast. Some people should fast from, it uh, used to be in the day they'd say, you need to fast from TV, now it's social media. You'd be a lot happier when you sort of cut some stuff off. Ooh, there's so much bad stuff. See, we're trying to hear God and know God through that cloud of craziness. It's hard and it's difficult, and the Lord knew it. And the Lord designed us not to really be able to see Him fully and know Him fully like we would like to. But there's still that thing in us. There's still that motivation in us. Even though all of that, after all of that in my life, after 40-something years, after what I felt like was failure, after failure, after failure, and disappointment after disappointment, you know, valleys of weeping, all this, all this great journey, and, and I've come to this place like, Lord, I still, I feel like I'm just falling so way short of knowing you. I feel far away from you. After all of that, there's still this thing in me. But I still, Lord, I still want to have this relationship with you. You're still precious to me. I still mo feel motivated towards you. I feel motivated when there's a revival. I feel motivated when everybody's bummed out. 
I feel motivated when nobody is motivated. I just think, well, I'll just do it by myself then. When everybody else is mad, I think, I still want to be motivated towards you, Lord. You know, because it's a decision. So, um, are y'all all right still? So I wrote down five things. I got seven minutes to tell you my five. There's about 25 of them. What I call keys for a healthy relationship with the Lord. Okay? Anybody interested? Keys. These are things that I've learned that, that help me. Well, obviously that one scripture I read to you is a big key. Dimly. It's keeping that in mind. Dimly. Okay? Well, here's another one. Uh, I, I wrote them down. Number one. Stop trying to get close to the Lord. Stop trying. And here's why. The Bible is very clear about this. It's uh, Ephesians 2.13 and Hebrews 10.19.22. I didn't put any of those up there. But one of them, Ephesians 2.13 says, The blood of Jesus Christ has brought us near to God. Listen, the blood has brought you near. So you're already near to God. And then the Hebrew says, the blood keeps you near to God. Okay? So when we try to be near, we are stepping on what has already been done for us. We have to trust in what God has already accomplished. We have to lean on that. I'm already close to God, not based on what I do, not based on what I don't do. See, that's the foolishness of the church. We think we can get close to God. When God says, you can't because I've already put you close. You're trying to get somewhere where you already are. When you'll start believing that, things will shift in your life. So when you don't feel close, the Bible says, you are close. And we have to make a choice if we're going to go with what our feelings tell us or what the Scripture plainly teaches. And we don't want to walk on the blood of Jesus. That's not a license to be stupid. It's just the truth. You hear what I'm saying to you? That was a big deal for me years ago. Oh, I love this next one. Simplicity. Here's one of the things I don't really love is complicated stuff. Okay. When I read stuff that people are saying about God, you know, like especially on social media, they say all this stuff and it's like, why is this so hard? Why has this got to be so doggy complicated? I don't want complication. You know, life is complicated. I don't need God to so dog a complication. You had to have a dang PhD in theology to kind of explain him. I don't want that. And this is a scripture. I did put this up, I think. This is what uh, Paul said. I fear least somehow as the, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Your minds. The devil brings and introduces thoughts that create doubt, create unbelief in us, and it corrupts us. So I try to uncomplicate my relationship with the Lord. I don't need to jump through a bunch of theological stuff. Right? We don't need to do that. We just keep it simple. Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Actually, it's keep it simple, saints, right? But I think that's been real helpful for me. When things start getting complicated, it's like, oh, I'm out. these people are smarter than God you know I didn't see Jesus being so complicated with people he was straight up with them so that's been helpful for me oh this other one uh, 1 Corinthians 8 3 instead of seeking to know God in my perfect way the way I think I should know him what you need to do is relate to God based on his love listen to this 1 Corinthians 8 3 if anyone loves God this one is known by him by God in other words, we need, here's, this will help you. Stop trying to figure God out. Just relate to God based on God's love. Relate to God on trust. Relate to God on mercy. Relate to God on things that God has revealed about himself. That he's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He loves you. He's kind. So just relate to him like that. Are y'all following that? That's big right there. Paul said in Galatians 4, 9, now that you've come to know God or rather that you are known by God. Rather that you're... And they were saying, oh, we thought we knew God, but really the truth is God is the one who knows us. Let's, let's base our life on what God knows and, about, and on His love. That's helpful. 
I hope it's helpful for you. Um, and that right, oh, yes, that will keep you from striving to know the Lord. You're not trying. It's not what you do. It's what? His love. Trust in His love. Trust in His goodness. That's how you can know the Lord. That's how He wants you to know Him. That he, that's why we were saying this morning, God's, the goodness of God, the love of God. God was inviting you into a relationship this morning in worship. Did you catch that? He was inviting people to step into His goodness. He was saying, this is how I am. I want you to know me like that. That was pretty powerful, really, that worship. There was a definite prophetic edge on that. It was definitely God trying to say something to us this morning. Me and Marlon was talking. It's like God wants to minister to us. That's what's going on. God wants to speak to us. He's... You know, sometimes he wants, he's inviting us into this moment of great praise. Sometimes he just wants to minister to us. It's like, oh, I'm good. I'll thank you for doing that, but this is what I want to do right now. Let me do that. Let me love on you some. Let me minister to your needs some. That's what he was doing this morning. Inviting people who don't know his love into his love. Are you all right? Please say you are. All right, this other one is great. Oh, Lord. Isn't it great? Why, my shoe was untied, and you were worried about me tripping? Yeah, well, she never ties my shoes. She probably felt distracted by it, too. Now she's double-tying them. Just like I did my grandson this morning. I'm double-tying your shoes because you're going to fall down. i got to hurry up, babe. It's 12 (laughs) o'clock. Becky's nice, isn't she? I want to say this. I want to talk to you about just a minute, and I've mentioned this several times. Faith, not feelings. Okay? There's a famous verse in the Bible that says, uh, it says something like this, Hebrews 11, but without feelings, it is impossible to please God. Without feelings, it's impossible to... No, it doesn't say that. Don't be so stupid. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because he who believes... He who... What does it say? He who comes to God must believe that God is and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him coming from a heart of faith. Just because your feelings are not there doesn't mean anything. I love feelings. I'm into feelings. But this is one thing I learned about feelings. Feelings are really good, really good followers. But they're not good leaders. And some of you are led out by feelings. Oh, I don't feel it. That's not a good thought for a Christian. I'm going to be truthful with you. If you're basing your Christian life on how you feel, you're going to be messed up. We should base everything on what God's revealed to us. That's where our faith is. And the truth is, God has given you faith. Everybody in this room is carrying faith. And that's how we activate our faith, is by coming to God and believing God's going to reward reward those who diligently seek Him. He's going to reward us by revealing Himself to us. And he's going to reward us. It's like draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You know what that literally means? Draw near to God and you will find that God's already near to you. You will find he's right there. He's already, that's what it means. It doesn't mean we do this to get God to do that. It means we respond to God. God's already right there like I've been waiting. You know, I've been waiting for you to believe what I've told you. Okay, one more. This is the last one. I only had five. I'd had 25. This is what, this is the whole thing that I, I feel like the Lord showed me a while back when he spoke that thing to me. My face is like a diamond. and You'd be wise to spend the rest of your life getting to know me. And he didn't stop there. As I reveal myself to you. I spent my life trying to get to know God not in the way he was revealing himself. That wasn't working. It wasn't working. Because he wants me to know him the way he wants me to know him, not the way I want to know him. Are y'all following that? That's important. So I realized that for me to really know God, I got to let God be the guy who leads the dance. And how he's revealing what he's doing, that's what he wants me to to join him in. 
and that's where I'm going to get to know him. And that's big. That was big for me. Um, this is something. Listen to this. When we reach the end of what we know of God, that's where we find God. When we reach the end of what we know of God, that's where we find Him. So however God was to you in your last season, when you come to the end of that, you're going to really find God in this season. You'll find who He is in this season. Are y'all following this? God is always going to be, he's always going to be somewhat mysterious, mysterious to us. We'll never fully be able to grab a hold of this God. The question is, why would we want to have a God that we could totally understand and figure out, capture him in our little brains? Is that the kind of God you really want? If that's the kind of God you want, you're in the wrong thing. You need to get in some other thing. Get into another religion or something. But this is, Christianity is not a God we're going to figure out. Christianity is we're following a beautiful God. Yeah, that's amazing. So, amen. So, huh? Yeah, that's one of the beauties of God is we don't have him all figured out. It's like women, you know. I mean, honestly, that's one thing I learned. Like, yeah, go on, man. I've been married for 42 years, right? Something like that. 41 years and three months, four months is actually it. And, you know, Becky just is always coming up with some new spin, you know. And it's like, what the heck? Who, does, who is this girl? This is not the same person I married. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, come out here, Becky. We're going to pray for everybody. I'm serious. Huh? It's time to stop. I want to pray about this. And I particularly want to say to people in this room about if, if knowing God is not a deal for you, if that wasn't not something in your life where you could say, that's a motivating thing in my life. God wants it to be, you know, and it's a gift from God to love Him and to desire Him, you know, and that can affect the rest of your life. That night changed the trajectory of my life completely. It wasn't just, it wasn't the experience, it was that I walked away from that experience and something came alive inside of me. And I started making decisions about my life based on my desire to know and have this relationship with God. That that was the most important thing to me. We don't want to take our fate upon ourselves. That's what one of the the psalmists said. I, I, I don't want to take my fate upon myself. I want to put my fate, my future, my life in God's hands all the time, no matter what. Because I can tell you this, even though my relationship with God has never worked out the way I hoped it would, the way I thought it would, God has taken really good care of me in my life through thick and thin. He's been good. He's been gracious. He's been merciful. He's provided for me in many ways, practically, you know, the physical realm, he's provided amazing for me. He's given me more, more than I ever even wanted. I'm talking about physical things, like a house. I have a house I live in. I never wanted a house that was that nice. That was not a dream of mine. But God gave it to me. That's God taking care of me. He's taking care of me spiritually. He's giving me revelation after revelation. It's just like amazing. I'm just like, I can't believe it, that God is so good. It's because let's just make a choice today and say, Lord, I want that. I want this desire for you, this love for you. I want that what David said, one thing I've desired, one thing that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all my life and behold his beauty and inquire of his temple. That's what David, I want to see him. I want to inquire of him. I want to have that. That's what David, that was the example of King David's life. It was that one thing, beautiful, uh, I think Psalm 27, verse 4, something like that. God really is offering us that this morning. So if you would like that, I want that, Lord. <laughs> Why don't you stand up and let me pray for you? Yeah. You know, let God do something in you. And then Becky will pray for you. <laughs> but I do want to pray.
for an impartation of this in your heart. Say, Lord, uh, I think about this scripture where uh, Paul wrote, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Lord, I have a feeling this morning there was some planting going on. And I have a feeling there was some watering of some things going on there. That's what, but I do have this assurance, Lord. I have this assurance that you're the one who will cause an increase in our life. And that you're the one who will cause this thing you've created in us, this hunger, this one thing desire to erupt in our life. So I pray, Lord, I pray for everybody in this room. I pray for those who are in dry places right now, really dry places. Lord, the Bible says you're a root out of the dry ground. That you know dryness, Lord. You went to the dry place, Lord. And I just see the Holy Spirit right now going to dry places and hearts that feel dry. And so, Lord, I just ask you to, to release on those dry places. I just see an eruption in some people. Like something breaking open in your heart today. So I ask you to do that, Lord. I ask you to do that. And, Lord, for those who've gone a long time pursuing you, who've walked through many valleys and many breakings, many discouragements, many hurts, like today, they would catch something, that they would be renewed, they would be restored to hope, they would be restored to life like they've never had it, Lord. Lord, just release that. Just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart today. Jesus has brought you near. The blood keeps you near. We can lay we can lay everything on that. We can trust all of that and know that we can have a relationship with him not based on what we do, but based on what he's done. And that he loves us and wants to have that relationship with us. And I also want to pray that River Life would have a revival. I just ask you, Lord, revival. Holy Ghost, real Holy Ghost revival. That's the desire of my heart. feel like the tangible presence of the Lord. Just put your hands out. I just could feel the Lord just, you know, this is his work. This is his work. So Lord, we just lift these hands to you. Lord, we lift them to you, Lord, and just say, just touch us. Lord, we, we know that it takes you to love you. And we just ask for that impartation right now, of the Holy Spirit, an increase takes God to love God. There's no way we can love you, Lord, without you loving through us. That's what you prayed in John 17, that same love that the Father had for the Son would be in us. And so, Lord, we're just saying that. We're just saying, Lord, let that same love just come up, Lord. Let it come up in us now. Let it come up. Let it come up in us now, Lord. Let it increase. Let it increase what is already ours, God. Thank you, Lord. We just, Lord, I just say right now, break the striving. Break the striving off of us, God. Break the strife and the striving for something, Lord, that we already have. Lord, the room we're already in. Lord, help us to see it, Lord. Lord, we're asking you to break off the religious mindset that just keeps wanting to climb back in. Lord, we're asking you today, Lord, for a fresh portion of bread, living water, bread, rolling and thundering through our whole being. Lord, breaking off this thing that we've got to strive to make something happen. Lord, when we've, you've done it all. You've done it all, Lord. You've already done it all. It's done. We're we're already in. Help, Lord. Help us. Help us to see it, Lord. Help us. Help us. Lord, we just cry out to help us, Lord, to live from what you've already done, not trying to get to it, God. Help us. Thank you, Lord. 
Lord, and when it's creeping back in, help us to see it, Lord. Help us to catch it before we're already back in, Lord, in this stronghold that we've got to do something. Lord, help us. Help us today, Lord. Have mercy on us. Lord, we want to live, Lord, from the life you've already given us. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Y'all feeling that presence on your hands? It's there. He's coming. It's his. Because this is what he's done. It already is ours. Thank you, Lord. Woo! He's just thinking, he's letting us know it today. Woo! Thank you, Lord. We could call up the ministry team. We want to pray for some people up here today. Just come on. Ministry team. It's good. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I think particularly if you've been feeling dry, the Lord wants to really have people to lay hands on you this morning. You know, this is church, y'all. We're here for each other. And it's so amazing that we have all these amazing people that can pray really good so if you're feeling dry i believe they can pray over you today and break that thing off of you okay so amen otherwise you can stand in the presence for a while or you can go get your kids you need to go get your kids and or enjoy fellowship. Just enjoy the Father's house today, being in His presence. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming today. We ask that you would bless each and every person here as they go. They would have encounters with the love of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.